Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Okay, three, two, one. we are back. It is July the 28th. And uh, first of all, I want to apologize to all of you. I just discovered this morning uh, that um, the syndication of our podcast was screwed up because we recently switched from one, um, we switched from uh, Blog Talk Radio over to Podbean. Those of you guys who do podcasting yourselves, you'll um, understand that that's an easy thing to do on paper, but then you discover that none of the places you syndicate your show to actually, you know, the RSS feed didn't take. So long story short, it's all being fixed now. And I apologize if you've been on iTunes and Stitcher and all the others. I guess it was being syndicated correctly on Spotify, but that was about it. It is being fixed as we speak. So that's good news. Julie, welcome to today's podcast. Yes, thank you. Fresh off of uh, quite a few coaching calls and some interesting things happening out there. But we're going to talk a little bit more about what's happening in the housing market and, of course, get back to our talk about why you are going to take your buyer presentation seriously, what that's right. all about, and, and all things buyer this week. That's the theme. So there's three parts to today's podcast, like there is every podcast, by the way. We're going to do a quick review on the news and one article in, uh, in particular I found for Julie this morning. And actually, before we do that, Julie, the first one is any interesting stories or experiences. Mm-hmm. Every day when we do this podcast, guys, we normally do it after we've done a mess of uh, coaching calls. So the coaching calls and the agents' experiences from all over the country and all over the U.S. and all over, uh, you know, different price ranges and different market conditions, it puts our minds in the right place to be able to deliver you guys information that is going to be uniformly appropriate for all markets and all states and all different price ranges. Um, so, Julie, anything in particular you experienced from any of your podcast today? Any takeaways? Any mm-hmm. interesting trends that sure. are forming? Well, a few things that we're watching, which is, I call it, what's hot and what's not, you know, and really tracking in your own local market, as all of you should be doing, in fact, what is hot and what's not. And I've seen some interesting little trends with neighborhoods, subdivisions, individual houses that should be selling faster based on the entire year's trends, coronavirus or not, and are seeing a little bit of a slowdown. Things in the mid 300s, and you know, we're talking about like normal non-resort market type stuff. Right. Um, that even you know two or three weeks ago would have had multiple offers by now, and it doesn't. So here's the big question: Is that related to what we see normally this time of year, which is you know end of summer vacation? Well, give the and, example. You were telling me right before I hit the record yeah. button of a particular I was just coaching to a, client. A, a great gal in um, Louisiana and she you know she is absolutely by all measures a listing agent and has learned to be a listing agent carries listing inventory knows how to prospect she's got her skills together okay and she lists them all big and small they you know pretty good range on what she handles but a lot of it's normal I call it normal people housing right just normal subdivisions good schools cute houses 250 or less Two, price range well 250 to 450 I'd say is yeah. you know, she's got a lot in the the mid ish threes, she's got several listings that are in the threes that we expected to go right away. Um, now, one of my common questions is, is there new construction nearby? Because usually if there is, and the builder's doing subsidized financing, and it's brand new houses, obviously, it can kick the butt of 
those types of resales. New housing, as a rule, I always, you know, we always have to remind ourselves we have agents of all different experience levels listening. So if you're newer or newish, new housing always kicks the butt of old housing unless the old housing has vastly superior location. Location ultimately is more important than condition or uh, price even. Location mm -hmm. is the most important thing, Jules. But if they're equal in location, the right. new construction wins, almost always. Yeah. Why? People walk in, it smells good, looks good. You get to choose your colors. You know, it's only yours. It's never been lived in. What's All more, good it's even more practical than that. I mean, mm -hmm. everything is, you know, new. New, right? you don't have a big repair <laughs> New problem. roof, new electric box, new yeah. utilities, new everything. Well, realtors love to sell it because there's no inspection nightmare to look forward to. But not always, though. Not always, yeah. but generally. Depending on who the builder is. Yeah, exactly. Note to self, right? Um, so usually when this scenario is at play, the new construction is really killing the resale. Well, in this case, our very smart listing agent, Jen, uh, would ask the new construction model rep, what's going on with you guys? Okay, basically the same price range, a little bit higher, but subsidized financing too. And uh, she said, you know what? We've only written four contracts in the whole month of July. So here's the takeaway. Um, yes, there are normal seasonal slowdowns, but not for the entire month of July. So just right. you know, breaking this down for the rest of the year, this is the reason Julie and I a month ago at the end of June, basically, we said you need to be plotting out what days you're going to be working for the rest of the year. And we did it for you guys for a few podcasts trying to show you that you effectively, and this was back in June, had maybe 90 to 100 days of working, uh, you know, actual work days left this year, not the 180 that you thought you had. Realistically, right. you had about 90 working days. And that was a month ago. Why? Because you take out the holidays. Like, so for example, if you go back, December, really the last two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe the entire month of December is a wash. Then you go back to November, you got Thanksgiving week, and then you go back to October. Then you got, you know, Halloween week, which has become a celebration for some particular reason, didn't mm -hmm. used to be. And then you keep on going back. August, generally, you know, September, you're going to have kids going back to school. August, the same thing. You have a lot of people that take vacations. So you have all these normal things that happen that create headwinds to basically building momentum. Um, and then there's the weekends and there's the other things that you personally won't be, you know, you're not, you're not going to be working. Maybe you're going on vacation or whatever. So you're effectively looking at 90 days uh, left this year to actually get some significant momentum built going into next year. Um, and why did I get on this tangent, by the way? <laughs> uh, well, because market changing puts extra pressure on the fact they have very few days really in comparison left to work. And so is this a normal slowdown? Oh, that's what or it Or is this right. the edge of something else? That's right. what we're watching. So we think, this is Julie and I's theory, right? We think it's too soon to tell. Because we know with, I'd say, you know, over 90% certainty that this time next year, we're going to be in a decidedly different housing market. And Julie's about to share with you guys an article to talk about that. But the moral of the story is, is what you look for is you look for these trends. And if the builder, so like the builder saying, you know, that they were slow and at the same time resale was slow, that market very well could be um, experiencing the first really significant slowdown that's going to carry it into the following year. So Julie and I are expecting fourth quarter, maybe like even maybe just November or December into next year to feel like a really significantly different market, right? All kinds of reasons why we're going to touch on it in this article she's about to read. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to get back to the points we were making yesterday with regards to essentially the most efficient way to work with buyers, right? So we're going to get back and finish out what we started yesterday. 
Uh, but with regards to like these natural normal headwinds, yeah, you can kind of plan for those. But when you say an aberration, like what we're experiencing or what we're seeing in some of your guys' markets, then you need to pay attention and you need to really be thinking, are you positioned for a market that might change quicker than many people are expecting? The housing bust that people say started in 2008 did not start in 2008. It started, I mean, we personally remember it starting in 2006. And it started in 2006 because of exactly what we're describing. There was a buildup of inventory and then it didn't sell off. And then like Las Vegas and other markets, San Diego, it, the market, the inventory would build up, sell off, build up, sell off. And then, you know, effectively it was almost like it built up and then it didn't sell off and then the market uh, corrected. Mm -hmm. And these are the types of cycles that you need to be on the lookout for as well. If you don't want to become an expert at this stuff, just continuously listen to our podcast and we'll obviously warn you as far in advance as we can. And that is really what this article is that Julie's about to share with you. That's right. So you know your own local market. We're not all going to wake up one day and in every city and every state all have the same experience. So is your market going to shift on you? Yes. The question is when. So here's the headline, and this is from Curbed.com. A foreclosure crisis could still happen. Homeowners are falling behind in their payments, but government policies are still keeping them in their homes. All right, we already know that's a fact. We talked all about forbearances, uh, but what is changing? There's a foreclosure moratorium that's expiring. Homeowners on government-backed loans have forbearance options to fall back on. So this is extending the situation, but digging into mortgage delinquency data shows how much water is building behind the dam that these government uh, backstops. For example, in January, 3.22% of mortgages were in delinquency. By May, that number was almost 8%. Uh, and that is only three points shy of where the delinquency rate uh, peaked during the financial crisis of 2008, which was almost 11%. Okay, so if you look at that, uh, and remember, these are national numbers. Each city has its own numbers to watch. A foreclosure crisis in Dallas, for example, wouldn't necessarily be the same as in Seattle. So you're going to have to watch what you're doing. But when you put all the data together, the data shows that if not for FHFA's actions, a serious foreclosure crisis would be underway. That is a fact now. If at any point the protections are rescinded, the problem could still materialize. And given the erratic response to the virus from federal, state, and local governments, in addition to a potentially explosive national election, it's hard to take any federal policy as a given year over year. So the question is, what's going to happen to that? Uh, with forbearance option available for up to a year, economists have baked into their models a wave of foreclosures in the spring of 2021, which they say would cause a very rare drop in U.S. home prices. Now, related to that article, Tim, I once that sent me on Well, but just putting, em putting the emphasis on um, what has happened and what is happening. Obviously, you're having, and as far as this, the well, new... Remember, CoreLogic revised their thing again. Right. Well, let, let me, so yeah. just, just defining some of what you just read to sure. them. So they're not, maybe, you always got to remember, Julie, we do have tens of thousands of listeners, but we might That's just right. have like three right now are listening to the first time, right? <laughs> so mortgage forbearances was something they didn't do before. And so the FHFA is taking credit now, though, frankly, I don't think they're the ones that did it, um, for essentially... Um, encouraging the government to basically um, allow the servicers to do these forbearances for up to 12 months. So if you read between the lines of that article and a lot of other things that Julie and I have been sharing with you guys on this podcast, we think 
that there's going to be more extend and pretend programs. That's what mortgage forbearances will become. Extend and pretend. Extend the person or, you know, it, so that they don't have to go through the foreclosure and pretend that they're someday going to catch the mortgage back up. It never happens because what happens is people basically just realize they don't have to make house payments and they continuously extend and pretend. And I think it's going to be relevant, this extending and pretending or mortgage forbearances. That's the way it's going to play out no matter who the president is. I just do not, I cannot imagine that there'll ever be a time when any political party is going to want there to be a whole bunch of foreclosures on their watch. It'll never happen. And so these extending and pretending programs are going to go on forever. Now I'll tell you, and you guys remember, Julie and I are generally speaking, not to be braggadocious, but pretty accurate about this. What you're going to see probably in late spring of next year is you're going to start seeing programs that are going to come out for the people who absolutely can't uh, do new mortgages, who are unemployed, who have virtually no chance of ever being able to retain their house because just whatever, there's life circumstances or financial circumstances have changed. You're going to see the government-backed uh, mortgages, which is a majority of the loans that aren't jumbo, super jumbo, non-conforming. Mm -hmm. They're then going to come out with new programs. And I'm guessing the new programs will somehow try to recast the mortgages, which is another way of saying try to keep them in the houses. Or what they'll do is they will pay them to leave. They'll give them a what was the nice uh, term, the word cash that for they, keys? yeah, cash for keys yeah. type deal, but it was a graceful like a exit. Relocation package essentially for, for leaving your house in good condition versus trashing it on the way out. Right. And so these are the nice, friendly ways they're going to be evicting people. I don't I, I think. Do, I think it's going to be much more organized. Yeah, definitely. But, and much more friendly than last time. And I think really, if you're going to look, if you have to choose between what the most likely, um, you know, tool that the government's going to be preferring between the foreclosure process and short sales. There's no doubt in my mind it's going to be short sales. For sure. And I think short sales are going to be encouraged. You're going to probably have incentives as a seller. Who, I think you're you going know, to have deed and lieu incentives too. Deed, yeah, deed and lieu, it, short you know. sale. You're going to have, they're going to give, be giving, you know, like Julie said, cash for keys, all kinds of things. Well, this stuff is coming next year. And fortunately for you, your coaches, Julie and I have been through this bazillions of times before. So we know how to get you to the other side of this bridge. Just have faith that you can actually learn the skills to get to the other side of the bridge as well. In the meantime, if you guys, and Julie's about to share with you another interesting article, if you guys have not joined our free coaching program, there is still time. And this is a coaching program that will at least get you going in the right direction into the new market. Just text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. Text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. And when you do, we're going to text you back a link. And that link, you just click on it, and then you can get a free membership to a version of our premier coaching program. Don't be fooled. This is not the full-fledged, full suite of services that we offer as a premier coaching client or to our premier coaching clients. But it is a great thing for you all to be employing for the sake of giving you some real good momentum, building momentum into 2021, which is, by the way, where your minds need to start gravitating towards because effectively the market or rather the business that you're going to have in spring of 2021 is going to be having created during this time of year of the previous year. Every top producer knows that their next year, their next spring, you know, next year's spring market starts actually in the third quarter of the previous year. So remember all this guys, text the word survival to 31996, text the link we send you back, and then you're going to get access to the free coaching program. So Julie, you got another article and let's yes, get to our next a, point. a quick little thing uh, from again, curb.com. Home prices may be dropping soon and here's why. Market forecasters say it's likely to happen if federal response to pandemic has any wavering. So CoreLogic, and we do put a lot of trust in CoreLogic because they've been around the block a long time. Their job is to study and, and give us the analytics. 
CarLogic's forecast predicts home prices nationally will have fallen 6.6% year-over-year by May 2021. Okay, so the exact figures are less important than the explanation behind the drop. To understand a late, why such a late decline is expected, you have to consider how housing markets have been functioning during the crisis, which is exactly what the last article was talking about. So um, remember before we were suffering from a massive shortage of homes um, and the pre-pandemic economy was doing well. Now we don't have the economy to back that up. So this is what we're watching, guys and probably it's going to come to a listing near you in the near future. So why do we talk about this? So that you don't get smacked in the face with your market changing and you've got some leeway to do something about this. So that's you know why we brought you our talks about forbearances and PPPs and all the rest. Back so in March. And you, the other th you do have some time, but not as much time as you think. Do remember that things do change instantaneously. They don't have to have, we, we were talking yesterday, Julie and I go on a six mile walk every day and we were talking yesterday how we feel lucky uh, to, that we have essentially what we think is going to be six or seven months to prepare all of you guys for this new market. It's not like it's going to just be a big shock like, say, for example, the pandemic was. So you have time to get ready for the new market. You have time to sort of move past your emotional resistance to change. And you can be perfectly positioned. But the time to you know take action is absolutely now. The easy button is just to get into the free coaching program and you're also going to be entitled to a free coaching call with one of our new member coaches. Just text the word survival to 31996. All right, Jules, let's get to our next yes. point about buyers. Okay, so we had talked yesterday about where buyers actually come from and the answer is not buying them. Um, so now we're moving on to why do you think that agents don't use buyer agency contracts? So by that I mean you know, getting the loyalty agreement from your buyer, just like you do with sellers. You know, you use listing agreements. You're not allowed to put something in the MLS without it. Maybe that's a reason. There's no MLS rule saying you can't work with a buyer without a contract, so we can start with that. But why don't agents use buyer agency contracts? Well, a lot of them will just use the go-to excuse that, well, I don't know anybody else who does. Nobody else in my market does it. That doesn't make it okay. Um, but from a coaching standpoint, I'll tell you, there's a very simple reason the definition of closing. So we're talking about closing for a signature. And a lot of these guys will say, I tried it once, I tried it twice, I couldn't get them to sign it. Or, but most likely they're not even gonna have they ever tried try. it. They're just gonna be relying on right. somebody else's story and that somebody else may or may not have been telling the That's truth. That's right. So here's the big difference between listing contracts and buyer contracts. Closing, i.e. asking for the signature on an agreement, closing, the act of closing is a logical ending to a great presentation okay so if you're trying to close somebody without having any level of presentation whatsoever of course you're going to get resistance of course you are you know they're not they're going to have objections they're not going to be comfortable they're going to ask you you know all kinds of things that make you you uncomfortable so you won't do it again so closing is a logical ending to a great presentation do a buyer presentation you can logically close and get that signature, which is exactly what we teach in, in our, Premier Coaching. So in our coaching program and Premier Coaching program, we do have a listing presentation, everything you possibly need to become a powerful listing agent. It's the same listing presentation that's used in all markets, all market conditions, all price ranges. You know, Rob Johnson uses his version of it in Greenwich, Connecticut, listing $10 million houses. And we have people down in, you know, in, in rural Kentucky using it for $80,000 houses. The That's system right. works, period. We also have the same similar system on the 
buyer side, though truthfully the buyer trans or the buyer presentation is much simpler because on the buyer transaction or the buyer presentation rather, you could tell my mind's always on the listing side of the equation. Yes. Um, that you don't have to, you know, the buyer is not paying your commission. You don't have as many normal objections. The buyers, generally speaking, just wanting you to uh, make a commitment to them and you a commitment, you know, and asking for the same thing in return. Now, I'll tell you the real bottom line why you want to use buyer and not just the agency forms that all states require stating who you work for, but an actual contract stating that that buyer is going to work exclusively with you. The real reason you want to do it is because it's going to weed out the time wasters. Mm -hmm. And it'll also weed out the people that are going to two-time you. In other words, they're working with you and they're working with a, another agent at the same time. And I'm going to share with you guys a story. This actually, this happened. It was our second year in the business. There, We used to work with a fair amount of reload business. And through just connections, we ended up with this uh, great reload uh, client that was going to spend like 600 grand. And so we are showing him, him and his wife and his kids, we're, and it was me actually, was showing him properties. I remember these people. I know it, the exact story that you're going into. Because it was so damn annoying. Oh, it was painful. <laughs> Lesson right, so, learned. So guys, they would come in. I remember where they were coming from. They were moving up from Atlanta. Uh -huh. So they were, they would, and this is, Julie and I sold thousands of houses and we remember the painful ones, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So they would come in on, on the weekends, right? They would, And we, I'd only have them for like, maybe just Saturday. They never want to meet with, with me on Sunday. Or it was like, actually, you know, that yeah, was you had morning and then they were had. That's it. Don't, don't, don't spoil my story. Yeah, yeah that was it. Julie's yeah. got it right. I, I said remember. it wrong. So I would have them Saturday morning. So I would pick them or I'd meet them at their hotel at like eight o'clock and I'd show them properties in this particular area of town that they profess to want to be living in. Okay. So that I would do that. And I'd buy them lunch. So after we got done driving around, I'd buy them lunch. And this happened, you know, like maybe two or three weekends in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, it, how many houses can you show in that time? You know, yeah. and these properties were, you know, decent size. So it was what it was. And it, okay, good. I'm going to sell a $600,000 house. I got to, you know, buy these people some lunch. It was okay. I'll make it work. And um, so one time, the last time I dropped them off at the hotel and I was in the car making calls or I don't even know what. And I was watching in my mirror. I just glanced up and I glanced up quick enough to see that another agent who I knew was getting at, was just parking his car and walking out of his car into the hotel. And I thought, well, okay, whatever. I mean, this might be some sort of, you know, torrid tryst this guy's doing on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon. I don't know. But no. Well, yes, it was a torrid tryst. So what <laughs> happened was tryst. out walks those same buyers mm -hmm. along with this agent hopping in their car or his car. And he then was showing him houses in the afternoon in a different market that they told me they weren't interested in. Yes, but and keeping in mind these markets were no more than maybe eight miles from each other. Yeah, I mean, these exactly. were basically abutting zip codes. Right, and so why did the, and the buyers, and I, I'm sure I had asked if the buyers were uh, working with anybody else, or I, at least maybe I had assumed that they weren't. I was just being naive, right? I was assuming that, you know, these people were going to be loyal to me. After all, I was buying them lunch. Well, relocating <laughs> executives spending 600 grand in a market like Columbus, Ohio, seems like they would have been legit and know what the drill was. That's right. A nice, normal people. And we were having a good old time. And they were really, you know, whatever. It was all the right buying signals. You know, my buyer spidey senses maybe weren't as honed as they should have been. But there you go. So <laughs> you guys heard the whole thing. They were actually working with at least me and another agent, maybe even a third agent that, you know, I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. And so then I confronted with them. I asked them, so what's the story? I mean, are you just working with me exclusively? Because I knew they weren't. And then they said, well, no, we're working with so-and-so when they were looking in this part of town. I was like, you know, obviously I was, 
I had to swallow my anger with them, my ego, and I had to essentially confront the fact that it was my fault that they're acting like that, not theirs. They didn't, well, maybe they did know better, okay? It doesn't really matter. Ultimately, as a professional, it was my job to make it so that they weren't going to two-time me. It was my job to make sure they're going to sign a buyer agency contract. And in our market, there probably weren't very many agents that were signing buyer agency contracts. But I'll tell you what, thereafter, we never worked with <laughs> anyone right. else. Now, here's the deal that I would make with them. Of, of course, we would meet with them. And, you know, this is when Julie and I were in our early 20s and... You know, we sold over 100 houses our first year and between 100 and 200 houses every year thereafter. And so uh, sometimes you'd get a, a buyer that was uncomfortable signing a buyer agency contract. So they would meet with us at the office or, you know, at Starbucks. Or Actually, they weren't even Starbucks then. No. Nope. <laughs> so funny to think. Anyway, let's not go down memory lane. We'll feel really old. <laughs> All right. So we'd meet with them at, I don't know, a park bench someplace, right? And remember. and then we would give them the, you know, I would give them the buyer presentation. And it's a form of the buyer presentation that we have as part of Premier Coaching. It was actually a flip chart. You could also do it on a notebook or, you know, you could do it over Zoom. It doesn't matter. And it goes through all the reasons why they want to work with you exclusively. It goes, it explains to them how commissions are paid, explains to them how you work with builders, how you'll, you know, call for sale by owners, on market listings, off market listings. You're selling them into as to why they want to work with you. But you're also training them on what's expected of them. Exactly. So when we put this together, and it actually says that if in the you presentation. Remember correctly, what, what we ex what you expect yeah. from us and what, and what we, expect we expect from, from you. you. That's right, because we systematically went through the list of, and you can do this today, listeners. You know, all of you guys are subject to this when you say buyers are liars and you get all upset about this. If you were to describe the five or six ways that in your head buyers screw you over, okay, because that's the realtor version of, right. of what happens, even though the real fact is you didn't educate them. Okay, so as, as you said, buyer's responsibilities, agent's responsibilities. It discusses how to handle what, what happens if you walk into a for sale by owner. But What's to expected of you? To what Julie just said, the, the fact that some of you guys do feel you know jaded by buyers is because of the simple fact that just like me, you didn't insist that they have a that they sign an exclusive contract with you. Yeah. And you didn't you didn't explain to them how the actual how it actually works to uh, you know how you they should be working with you and you should be working with them. They didn't know that you can represent them on builders. And yes, I had that happen too. I lost you know we lost deals to people walking into build. Well, okay, that was dumb. I should have explained to them I can work. And then how about the fisbos that end up working with your buyers after same you same thing. Houses? It was so okay. on, in our presentation that we created this product premier coaching it goes through all the different scenarios you could possibly imagine that a buyer might be confronted with when looking for a house and always circling back to the reason why they want to be working exclusively with me yes we work with builders yes we can sell you land yes we can help you find a custom builder yes we can help you you know anything and everything you could possibly imagine is covered in that buyer presentation and then the end result, after, as to Julie's earlier point, after a good presentation is just getting the paperwork out of the way and signing the contracts. Now, when I got at the occasional person, and eventually we trained our agents to do this as well. If you got the occasion, and the third thing we'd have them sign, we have them sign the state agency form, the buyer agency contract, and a sample buyer net sheet. Okay, those three things. Mm -hmm. And then um, occasionally, they'd be maybe having worked with previous a previous agent and weren't really that comfortable signing an exclusive agreement with us. And so they wanted a little bit of a breathing room before they were asked to basically, you know, commit. And that's fine. So we would take them out one time and we're going to get to our uh, scripts here on how to basically make it so buyers buy within three trips or less. We're getting to that, not today probably. 
And so then um, we would take them out one time, but after that, they knew the expectation was they were going to have to make an exclusive um, agreement with us. Yes. And they did. And if they didn't, that probably means they weren't serious anyway, right? That's so right. what the contract is, it's, it's, it's not using a buyer agency contract is akin to not having a seller sign a listing contract, and then you go spend all your money and time getting the property sold, all the while there's no contractual reason why that seller would ever pay you once the property yeah, you'd sells. you'd never do that. You never would. It's actually, it, no. you can't. It's illegal. Yeah. It's actually illegal. You're not illegal. allowed to. Yeah, you're not allowed to. Yeah. But, you know, on buyer agency contracts, well, so then ultimately, what's culturally wrong in a lot of agents' minds about asking for buyer agency contracts uh, to be signed is because you don't know how to, and this is bottom line, real, you know, bottom line words, sell them into working with you exclusively. That's it. And once you have a presentation, know how to say it, simple, easy stuff, you'll see that they'll be grateful because you answered a lot of questions that they had. And at the end of the day, you're also going to solve a lot of the problems that they didn't know what might come up during the transaction. You're going to, you know, part of the prior presentation is telling them how you're going to help them with the financing and help them through the inspections. You talk about the process. And right. you know what else is weird I've heard about several times in the past week? Agents have become, and maybe this is a new agent thing, but agents have become really weird about asking for earnest money or talking about earnest money. I find that very odd because that's kind of a bubbling up. Well, earnest money is talked about that that's expected as part of the process. You know, there's been buyers, we used to get this occasionally, where because nobody had educated them, they thought they were supposed to have the home inspection and then write a contract. They don't know what the process is. And you know, this is not just a new buyer issue. Sometimes culturally, if they're moving, like somebody that has a certain standard of practice that they did three deals in Manhattan and this is how it went, and you got possession at closing and that's it, and they move to Iowa, where maybe you get two weeks for free if you're a seller. Right, exactly. You know, culturally, they don't have to be from Mars or from out of the country to have cultural differences. It's your job to educate them. And maybe the guy that we feel, you know, our story that, you know, he screwed us by working with us in the morning and somebody else in the afternoon. Well, maybe he knew he was doing that and maybe he didn't. Maybe where he came from, that was something they did last time around. You never get to the bottom of this if you don't sit them down and have a presentation and talk to them about what are your questions, what are your goals, what's the process, what was your previous experience? Well, let's get to that on another show. Yeah. But th there is a very specific, very tight process. A lot of you guys, what you do is you wait for the buyers to send you listings through the MLS yeah. or wherever else they found them. And you guys know half the time the information's wrong. So um, there's a very specific buyer presentation. Now, we have the buyer presentation that's explaining them why they need to sign the buyer agency contract with you. And then there's the buyer presentation, which is, amounts to three distinct scripts or conversation outlines. And the first one is the, it, I mean, I won't, we're not going to do these today, but it's the three times out script. It's the floor model script. Um, and those are really the two big ones. And then once you know those scripts, what you're going to discover is that you'll be able to sell houses to buyers within three trips or less. And you're not going to over give them too much information to think about. And you are going to give them permission to actually buy on the first trip once you take them out. But this is, again, this is a process that you guys are going to learn. And we're going to do an overview of these on the upcoming podcast. So make sure you guys listen. I think we've given them enough information. Yeah, well, I mean, it comes down to why is it that you treat buyers with, you know, assumptions where you would never do that with a listing. You know what we need to do tomorrow is we need to get into the buyer prequal script. That's what we That's need fine. to do. So let's we make sure do we do that tomorrow. Yep. Yeah. 
And so the buyer pre-qual well, script. That's another really, thing they don't do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Thank the, you. The buyer pre-qual script is essentially that's the whole uh, that whole ball of wax. You, it definitely covers your yeah. butt on most things. And if you're not asking, if you're not going through a buyer pre-qual script, and let's just actually read it to them on the, sure. on the podcast can do that. tomorrow, and that's going to solve virtually all your problems. You're going to find out if they're working with someone else. You're going to find out how long they've been looking, if they've seen anything they've liked, you know, why they didn't make an offer, or did they make an offer on what they liked. Um, Which home in the neighborhood do you plan on selling? Exactly. I mean, all these questions. So those are going to. That's going to be tomorrow's show. Hey guys, listen. Thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents in the nation, except for the past six days when the show hasn't been being syndicated. But we'll be back. <laughs> yes. And thanks for making Harris Rules um, the number one. Uh, well, I don't know if it's number one. It's hard for me to tell, but it's certainly one of the top selling real estate books for real estate agents of all time. It's for sale Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart. Um, where else? Yeah, everywhere basically. We've seen it at airports. Um, and if you guys would are interested in joining Julie and I at our EXP team, if that's something that you are ready for, I encourage you. Actually, you can uh, just go ahead and text the letters. Just text EXP to three one nine nine six. EXP to three one nine nine six. And when you do, we're going to text you back a nine minute video. And then in that nine minute video, you'll have most of your questions answered. And then after that, we'll follow up with you and we'll have a conversation and we'll help you determine if EXP is the right move for you. We'd love to have the opportunity to speak with you about joining Julie and I as part of our EXP team. If you want to just uh, skip the video and you just want to go ahead and join with us, feel free to text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day and we will talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. Thank you.